Coming up next, Real Israel Talk Radio, Program 21, Episode 68. And in the case of 1 Corinthians 13.1, Paul would be expressing himself in a linguistically correct manner, though I speak with the tongues of men and or even of angels or messengers, but there is no love toward me. Shalom, my friends. This is Avi Ben Mordechai, and I welcome you once again to another episode of Real Israel Talk Radio. And uh, this is going to be episode number 68, which is part four in the series that I'm doing here on defining biblical love. Well, in the world, we're going to get uh, a lot of different definitions. Primarily, I would say, you make me feel good about you. You make me feel good about life. Ooey-gooey oceans of emotion. So with that being said, I would like now to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1. So let's take a look at this together, okay? Paul writes, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. That is so full of imagery. Can't you see that, you know, especially for some of you maybe that play in a band and you may be a drummer in that band and you can really identify with that. So let's talk about love from this particular viewpoint. However, before I do that, I do want to stress something that's really important because it is part of the overall context of uh, what Paul is talking about. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. In the Second Temple period, this would be a term referred to as the Shaliach Tzibur. Again, Shaliach Tzibur, which uh, literally is the messenger of the community referring to anyone who leads services in the synagogue, but not necessarily someone professionally trained or specifically hired for that job, as is the case with the later idea of the synagogue chazan, who was a professionally trained cantor, or someone who would chant the texts that were being read. So the Shaliach Tzipur is a term that was used to refer to the prayer leaders of the synagogue. And in theory, really, anyone could serve in that position. But the primary qualification of the Shaliach Tzipur must be one who is kosher or fit which means free of sin or possessing a good reputation, one who is humble, who is acceptable to the Jewish community, 
who also is skilled at chanting and uh, who also is well-versed in all of the sacred texts of Judaism. So, in short, when Paul is referring to the tongues of men and of messengers or angels, I think he's specifically referring to the messenger of the community in the synagogue or the shaliach tzipur, the one who would be leading the services of the synagogue. And when he is speaking the prayers in the synagogue, his prayers are going to be in Ivrit or in Hebrew because Hebrew is called Lashana Kodesh, the holy tongue. So in the synagogue, the holy tongue is not Aramaic. It is Hebrew. Aramaic was a common everyday vernacular, much like um, English is used today all across the world for varying kinds of uh, business and communications functions. But uh, in the days of Shaul and Yeshua, um, Hebrew was used in the synagogue service. And so the malach, or the angel, the messenger, would give forth the prayers. And how they spoke and what they said would be understood as the tongues of men and of messengers. Or you could say the tongues of men, even messengers, referring to these people, these men who were in charge of leading the synagogue service. That's what they did. So it's not really that complicated to understand, except to say, though I speak with the tongues or the prayers, if you would like to put it that way, of men who are leading the congregational services, even angels or messengers, because they were understood to be uh, in authority of the synagogue in order to speak forth certain prayers, certain authoritative statements and things like that. And it was really quite, uh, quite something. Again, Shaliach Tzipur, which uh, literally is the messenger of the community. And again, I stress, we still do that even to this very day. Any synagogue you may go into, whether it's a congregation of Jewish people who do believe in Yeshua, or maybe they don't believe in Yeshua. They're just an everyday congregation. They're going to have these people that are in charge of the prayers. Shaliach Tzipur. So, therefore, if they were speaking in these dramatic, beautiful, awesome words of the Hebrew tongue, the Hebrew language, the holy tongue, if you want to put it that way, if they were passing themselves off as authoritative people, Paul would then say, but if I have not love, then I have become nothing more than a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Now, let's go into the Greek text here for a moment. Uh, I am not a Greek text expert. 
Uh, I'm not even a Hebrew text expert, but, you know, I look at the Greek text and I have uh, some linguistic tools that uh, do help me uh, navigate through the words and the ideas. Plus, with my background in the synagogue services and leading a synagogue service many years ago, uh, I would understand this in a little bit of a different light. And that's what I want to present for you today. Now, from the Greek text, uh, typical English translations will give us the idea that if, which is a, a conditional idea, If we do not have actions that are in accordance with acting or doing things with love. Let me kind of repeat that. If we do not have actions that are in accordance with acting out or doing things or doing functions with an attitude of of love, then Paul basically says we are empty and just making a lot of noise. And that really is the end of the story for the way Paul would understand it. However, if we were to take this statement that appears in 1 Corinthians 13.1, where it says, but I have not love, and I put it into a Hebrew context or a Hebrew mindset or something that is going to give me a Hebraic context, particularly of the first century. But, you know, even today, it'll still work the same way. If I put it into that kind of context, that statement, but I have not love it is going to come out a bit different. And this is really what I want for us to pay attention to, because it's going to help all of us to understand, I think at least, what Paul is getting at in 1 Corinthians 13 with those 13 verses, okay? And we're going to go through these so that you can understand this idea of biblical love that uh, we have been looking at here for the last uh, few episodes, okay? Now, in Hebrew, I have love would be expressed as yeshli ahava. There is love to or towards me, or we would say ainli ahava, meaning there is no love or there is not any love to or towards me. But here is the point that I want to address. When we say, yeshli ahava, that is, I have love, or ainli ahava, I have not any love, it is really saying, there is love to or towards me. Or, you could say, ainli ahava, meaning there is no love to or towards me. So, let me repeat that. If we say yeshli or ainli, we are not saying that I 
have or I do not have love, that's not actually what we're saying. What we're saying is, I am the recipient of something that is given to me, and that something is love. Whereas if I said, only Ahava, then I would be saying in ancient Hebrew or modern Hebrew, it makes no difference, I would be saying, there is no love to me or toward me. That is the idea in Hebrew. And in the case of 1 Corinthians 13.1, I would think that Paul would be expressing himself really in a linguistically correct manner as it would be from Hebrew and or Aramaic. Thus, Paul would, from Hebrew or Aramaic, express the idea in this particular manner, which I'm going to paraphrase for you here from 1 Corinthians 13.1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and or even of angels or messengers, but there is no love toward me, or there is no love to me, then I have become a sounding brass or a clanging symbol. The expression, I have love, or I do not have love, is never, ever understood in Hebrew, ancient or modern, it makes no difference, as something that is generated from within myself, as though I were the source of that love. It just doesn't exist. We're never going to say it that way. Certainly, it's not going to be meant that way. And even in modern Hebrew, again, I'm stressing, even in modern Hebrew, the same is true. We're not going to say that I am the one who has or does not have love. It's just not going to happen. What we're going to say is, I am not receiving something that is given to me. And that something would be called love. I'm not receiving it. I'm not accepting it. So how many times have you been in a conversation with someone and they're giving you a word of encouragement or perhaps even a word of rebuke? And uh, you might respond to someone who's saying something to you, um, I receive that, or I don't receive that. Well, if you say, I receive that, it means that that person is the one giving that word to you. They are delivering that word or that statement or that encouragement or that rebuke They're giving it to you because it doesn't originate from you. It originates from someone else or some other source that comes to you. This is the idea of yeshly I have or ainly I do not have. 
And this is going to be important as we understand 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So therefore, whatever I have, I have it only because it flows through an outside source and into me, or I receive it, so then I can give it out or give it away. So if you take a look at uh, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 8, Yeshua says, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. And then he closes his statement and he says, Freely you have received, freely give. That's the idea of Yeshli Ahava. I have received. Therefore, I am giving that which has been given to me outside of myself as something that is given to me, not something that I personally have generated. That just doesn't happen in Hebrew or in Hebraic thought. And there is a similar statement made by uh, Shaul or Paul in 1 Corinthians 2.12. He says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit or the ruach who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. And uh, he goes on to talk about what those things are. So again, the principle is still the same. It's that which has been given to us, not something that we have personally generated because we're just so awesome and so great and we just have some kind of internal powerhouse of energy that we're able to uh, manufacture love or manufacture giving or manufacture anything, I suppose. You just can't do it. Not, not according to the way the biblical texts identify the matter, Okay. So, again, I want to stress and make it very clear that whatever I have, whatever you have, well, it never originates from me if I have it, and it never originates from you if you have it. Rather, whatever I have or whatever you have in the Hebraic mindset, love or any other thing that we have only flows through a conduit towards me so that it can be given out. And I don't care if it's a car, a house, a loaf of bread, even in the loftiest sense, love. It doesn't matter. The truth of the matter is that whatever I have, I am not the generative source whether it's a car, a house, a loaf of bread, or yes, even love, possession of something in the Hebrew mindset, according to Scripture and according to the way Yehovah allowed for the Scriptures to be transmitted downline to all of us, 
It is that of something that is entrusted to you or entrusted to me if I have it, okay? You are a steward of something that is entrusted to you. So, for example, take a look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 10 through 18, which is a common Jewish prayer of what is called Berkat Amazon, the grace after meals prayer. And uh, let's read this together. Deuteronomy Devorim chapter 8, verses 10 through 18, to help us to uh, expand out on this meaning just a bit more. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless Jehovah your Elohim for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget Jehovah your Elohim by not guarding his mitzvot, as Yeshua taught them in the words of the Ve'ahavta, which is found in Deuteronomy or Dvorim, chapter 6, verses 5 through 9, and also reiterated once again in Leviticus or Vaikra 19, verse 18. So Moses writes, Beware that you don't forget Yehovah your Elohim by not guarding his mitzvot, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, and you forget Jehovah your Elohim, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness, fiery serpents and scorpions, and a thirsty land where there is or was no water, who brought water for you. See that? Notice it? Who brought water for you. He provided it out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know. Again, he is the one that fed us in the wilderness. He is the one that quenched our thirst in the wilderness, causing you to do the good in the end. That's what it says in the Hebrew of Deuteronomy chapter 8. And then Moses goes on to say, because it's then when you might say in your heart, well, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. You don't gain anything. Jehovah makes it clear, saying, Beware, lest you should say, after you're all full, fat, and happy, Well, I actually did this myself. My power, my might, my hand, 
This was something that I gained by my own hand, all this wealth, all this love, all this whatever. Then Moshe goes on to say, but you must or will or shall remember Yehovah your Elohim, for he gives you the power to acquire or gain wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. If you will, please, let's uh, take a quick break. And uh, then I want to come back on the second half of our program here. And I want to continue with this understanding and expand it out a little bit and help us to all understand what it is that we're actually looking at or what it is we're actually seeing here in the sense of divine love towards us, okay? This is Avi Ben Mordechai, and you're listening to Real Israel Talk Radio. You're listening to Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, Program 21, Episode 68. Welcome back to the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio. Once again, here's your host, Avi Ben Mordechai. Okay, welcome back. This is Avi Ben Mordechai, and this is Real Israel Talk Radio. Let's continue on talking about Yeshli Ahava or Ainli Ahava, that is, I have love or I don't have love which is referring specifically to the Hebraic idea of there is no love toward me or there is no love being received into me from an outside source or there is love being received towards me from an outside source. Either one depends on your context of either being positive or negative. So, as I previously said, uh, Deuteronomy, Devarim, chapter 8, but you must or will or shall remember Yehovah your Elohim, for he gives you the power to acquire or gain wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Again, 1 Corinthians 13.1. The expression is never, ever understood in Hebraic thought as something that is generated from within myself, as though I were the uh, source of that love or the source of anything that is coming to me or the source of anything that I have. Because everything that you have, friends, everything that I have, it is given to us. And I don't care really what it is. You don't have anything. It's just given to you. To use, to make it work for you, to make it work for the kingdom of the Almighty, it's something that is received from outside of yourself. So, when we apply these principles to the teaching of Paul, 
or Shaul in 1 Corinthians 13, and specifically as we're discussing it from verse 1, it should be noted that if I do not draw down divine giving love, or if I do not receive the divine giving love that is being drawn down from the kingdom of heaven above, and if I don't draw that down and receive it into myself, into my neshama or my soul, from the wellspring of its source, receiving it and internalizing it, making it part of who you are. Because drawing that down from above, it feeds you. It strengthens you. It gives you everything that you need to function in an everyday life. That's why it is said that you must receive it and internalize it. And when that happens, then all of your doings, all of my doings, or your actions and my actions, all of that in trying to manufacture a love that I do not naturally possess from within. And you don't. You do not naturally possess that love from within. You cannot give from something that you do not have. Again, you cannot give anything that is in you if you do not have it. So if you do not naturally possess that particular thing from within and you find yourself having to manufacture it, so to speak, or generate it, well, all of this is really nothing more than empty words and a lot of noise. In other words, you're just a clanging cymbal You're just a loud beating drum with nothing, just flat out a lot of noise. And that is this idea of the tongues of men and of angels. So I could even apply this even to pastors, teachers, scholars, even academics who sit in their ivory towers. Oh, they can give out all kinds of wonderful, beautiful truths. They can write about them. Or at the church that you might attend, or at a messianic synagogue that you might attend, if the leader or the teacher or multiple leaders or multiple teachers, if they do not receive Yehovah's love into them, if it doesn't go into them and they internalize it and receive it from the source of love, which is outside of themselves, if they find themselves generating it from within because they really don't have any love to speak of, then they are just giving you a bunch of noise. They're just speaking noise. They're just banging on a loud cymbal. 
And those of you, again, who might be in a band and you might be a drummer, particularly, and you're banging on the cymbal and that's all you got and you have no rhythm, that is exactly what it's like. So scripture is very clear in this matter. You do not want to find yourself lacking that love that has been given to you and you are therefore the recipient, or if you will, you are the steward of the very love that you are supposed to be giving out unto others, whether it's to a wife, a girlfriend, a friend, a brother, a sister, a mom, a dad. I don't care who it is. I know I'm just beating this like as they say, you know, beating a dead horse. (laughs) I hate to say that, but it's an important idea. And I really want you to be able to understand this and hear it and get it because it's so important to understand it that if you do not receive the love that is given to you, then what are you? What do you really have? You have absolutely nothing. Because when we come into this world, as far as I understand the scriptures, when we come into the world, we don't come in with love for others. We have a little three-year-old here in our home. She's cuter than cute, but I'll tell you something. She's sucking love from her mother and her father and everybody else who will give love to her. (laughs) That's the truth. So if you're a grandparent or you're a parent with young children, you're going to know that idea. It doesn't take me or take any great aspect of wisdom from me to be able to tell you that. You'll see it. You'll experience it. Oh, absolutely. You will know beyond any doubt that whatever love we have, it is not love. It's what we would call selfish love. We're sucking on everyone because we want our needs met. We don't want to meet anybody else's needs. Oh, no. We want everyone else to meet our needs. So if you find people that look like they're giving love, oh, they are such loving people. I'm just going to tell you straight up. If they are not born from above, if they are not regenerated or a redeemed neshama, if they are not a redeemed soul from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in Genesis chapter 3, if they are not a redeemed soul, I would ask the question, what love do they have? No, they have none. They have inside of their DNA. They are a living genome of the tree of the knowledge of evil dressed up and painted over and made to smell and behave in a state of goodness. But in reality, it's just all an illusion. There is no love from within ourselves. It is only 
from outside of ourselves that we are able to have love. Plain and simple. Therefore, 1 Corinthians 13.1 from ancient Hebrew linguistics and from ancient Jewish biblical culture is more correctly expressing to us the idea that if I have not received the gift of Jehovah's love toward me, which is a generative source of love because he generates it and puts it into us, then I would say that whatever we have is nothing but noise because the source of all of his love, as it's generated towards us, is coming outside of yourself. It's coming outside of me. And it's therefore entering into me if I allow it to enter into me. If I have not received that love that comes from above and has come into me, then it just simply means I am not, I repeat, I am not opening up myself to first receive the love that is generated from outside of myself, a love that Jehovah wants to give to you. And if you're not receiving it, you're just flat out empty. And therefore, if you're empty, you have nothing to give. You don't have any love to give to a husband, to a wife, to a family member, to a friend, not even to a child. You don't have it. It's not in you to have it. Maybe this just sounds just so over-the-top shocking to some of you. Uh, I mean, I hope not, but uh, I can really tell you, in all honesty, in all truthfulness, I never had read 1 Corinthians 13 this way in all of my decades of walking with Jehovah, I thought about this love chapter that Paul wrote about as something that I had better have within me. And if I don't have love, why, I'm just a bad person because I have not loved. I have not given of myself towards love. I have to love. And it's just so debilitating when you think about having to put through so much energy to try to generate something that you do not have, which is divine love. You can generate human love but human love is not divine love. Human love is not selfless. It's selfish. I, I think so. I really do. Okay? So if I am not opening myself up to first receive the love from Jehovah so that I can therefore give out that love, which is exactly what we were talking about on the, the last previous couple of programs from the Vehafta, 
in Vayikra or Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, where it says, or I should say, where it is translated into English as you will love your neighbor as yourself. I don't think so. It doesn't come across that way in the way most people understand it. It comes across as though you had better love your neighbor, and the only way you can do that is by first loving yourself. No, no. I don't know who really loves themselves. I mean, unless you're completely and totally narcissistic, but I'm, uh, I'm not into narcissism. I don't think I'm anything so great. Maybe you think you're great. I don't think I'm that great. I'm just a servant of Jehovah like you're a servant of Jehovah. We're all brothers and sisters in the faith, all trying to understand what Jehovah, what Yahweh has given to us and therefore to receive it. Because he gave it to us freely. We didn't have to earn it. We didn't have to work real hard for it. You just have to believe him. And it's given to you. So if we are not opening up ourselves to first receive that which we do not have, if we're not doing that, then we are living a lie. When we say, I love you, or I want to love you, because we have to be born from above and regenerated from above, and we have to be redeemed from above through the blood and the life of the Lamb, that's the only way that we are able to give out love. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of human pride. And we like to puff ourselves up with pride. Oh, I think we do. Don't kid yourself. We love to puff ourselves up with pride. We love to make ourselves really, really good. We do. We like to look good in front of others. Why do you think we commit Lashan Hurrah? the evil tongue, or what is often called gossip. Why do we gossip? Why do we talk about others? Because we have not received Jehovah's love for us. That's why we're not receiving his love. We're trying to manufacture love, and we're always coming up short because we can't generate our own love. We're selfish, not selfless. Not when we come into the world. Coming into the world, we're selfish. Because we're from that Genesis chapter 3, tree of the knowledge of good but evil. Therefore, we want to be good. We want to look good. And that is called self-righteousness or self-justness. We're trying to be just. We're trying to give off this air about ourselves that we are just really something else. Or perhaps I could say, we're the greatest thing since sliced bread, as my mother used to say. Okay, we're not the greatest thing since anything. We're not even great. Yeshua said, if you want to be great, then learn to be 
a servant of all. Otherwise, all you're doing is you're building up a sense of humility that is nothing more than human pride. You could say that we're filling ourselves with false humility. So, to drive the point home, if I am speaking lofty words of prayer or prophecy, or I'm in the synagogue or in the church, or I'm in some form of ministry leadership, but if I have not received Jehovah's generative love that he wants to give me, if I have not received that, and if I'm trying to generate it myself and not receive that which he has given unto me, well, then I am nothing more than a bunch of noise. Okay? Because as we've seen, I must first take in and receive love in order to give it out, in order to send it out. And once you start doing that, then my love tank, or your love tank, so to speak, is going to be filled up. Your love tank will be filled up when you are prepared to receive the divine love from above. But if not, your love tank is going to be nothing more than a dry and empty tank with no love. Kind of like driving on fumes because you haven't been able to get to the gas station or to the petrol station to go fill up. Our love tank needs to be filled, and it comes from Him. So we need to pray for Yehovah to bless us with the love that He generates and then receive it. The love tank is a real important principle, and I'm going to be talking about that on the next podcast. The idea of the love tank. And I speak to you men, yes, You men, listen to me carefully. If you are not receiving Yehovah's love into you, listen to me, guys. If you are not receiving Yehovah's love into you, I know this from experience. That's what I'm going to tell you. It's coming from my own experience. If you don't receive that love, then you will not be able to give to your wife, your woman, your partner, and you will not be able to fill up her love tank because her love tank comes from him, but it flows through you. It does. You're not the source of it. Absolutely not. You're not the source of the love for her. You're the conduit the piping mechanism, and your wife, your woman, your partner, your girlfriend, whatever. She's going to come up to the fuel tank pump there at the, at the gas station, at the petrol station, at the servo, as we say here in Australia, 
and she's going to be operating on fumes, and you're going to wonder why she's so fuming mad at you all the time, and you're going to wonder why she's always complaining and saying to you, but you're not doing this, and you're not doing that, and you're just this, and you're just that. Guys, she's operating on empty. I know this from experience. If she's operating on empty, she's not going to be able to give to you. She'll be belching out fumes. So I say, let's leave it right here. Let's come back and get some encouraging teaching and encouraging words from 1 Corinthians 13.1 and uh, the rest of the verses of the love chapter that Paul wrote about. Let's talk about it on the next podcast on The Love Tank. Okay? In the meantime, if you'd like to go to our website and have a look around, you can do that. The website address is www.cominghome.co.il. Again, coming home, one word, dot co dot il. That's our website. Go have a look at the things that are up there, or if you want, uh, you can also uh, listen to the rest of the podcasts from the past year and a half. We've got, I've got lots of things over there that'll help you to understand and grow in your faith and understanding of what it is we're looking at here in this biblical walk of truth and faith, okay? Take care of yourselves, folks. Have a great week, and uh, stay out of trouble. Get your love tank filled from the one who is the generative source of all that love. That is Yudi Wabhe, Yehovah, the Eternal One of Israel. I'm Avi Ben Mordechai. This is Real Israel Talk Radio. Shalom. Shalom.